Billy Talent are a Canadian band that sells out shows worldwide. I've personally been listening to them since their self-titled album came out in 2003. And these guys are just a group of amazing musicians. They've been the same guys in the band the whole time uh, that they've been around, which is something really, really special. They still pump out great music to this day, never lost their luster. And I just hold these guys in high esteem. So you just got back from a long trip. Yes, dude. How did it go? We ha- I, di- I haven't. I haven't even. You got back last night, so yeah. like we haven't even had a chance to talk about really any of it. I saw some pictures on Instagram that Cameo posted. Yeah, because I only follow cool people on Instagram. Hell yeah, my wife's cool as hell. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, dude, how'd it go, man? Dude, it was awesome. Yeah, it's funny. We didn't even have enough time to talk about work today at work. I know. We, 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 <laughs> dude, we worked at the same... Stuff. You, you <laughs> pulled up a table in my office today. We sat by each other for a solid eight hours, and I feel like we didn't even talk. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, it's so true. Um, man, uh, yeah, Knoxville was great. Knoxville was great. I, uh, I turned in my last assignments the night before at like... Dude, it's so insane thinking that I was going to podcast with you the night before. Like, and I was like committed because like I hate canceling on you and canceling on things. And uh, I turned in my final assignments the night before at like ten thirty at night, and I was just I was wow. I was wrecked because uh, that day I spent a total of literally twelve hours writing that day, and the day before I want to say like ten hours writing. Um, and then at least two three hours reading both those days. So Crazy. I was kind of in you know. Cause I took both those days off work and then, so Friday morning, uh, we headed out and it, it was great, man. It was, uh, um, we have two, two friends that live down there. They had just bought a house. Um, oh, that's cool. I'm actually, I'm actually thinking about writing a, a nonfiction essay. I, I just actually texted them before I came over here and said, Hey, would you guys consider, you know, the possibility of this? Because, um, they lost every, they lost all their possessions in a fire in Arizona a year ago. Oh wow! Yeah, dude, everything they everything they own. How did how did the how did the fire come about? Uh, some sort of maintenance uh, maintenance like workers were over there, and I think someone made a mistake while they were working on Ooh. some of the electrical at the apartment apartment complex. Set the thing on fire, and they stood outside and watched as like oh that's their insane. home was burned. Yeah, it's insane, man. And so. Like people raised a bunch of money for them, and then thankfully they got an insurance settlement, um, and uh, and they went to Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, where they had some friends, and they bought a home. And dude, it was really powerful because like he was working on an organic farm at the time, um, and uh, uh, now he has he's he's doing something different. He's working at a coffee shop, but he has like this little garden that he has at his home, you know. And they're like they're making a home for themselves, you know? So this concept of home, I was like really intrigued by, you know? Um, so we got to enjoy their new home with them. And like, we took a trip to the Smoky Mountains and stuff. And Oh man, it's beautiful out there. Dude, dude it's my first time at the Smoky yeah. Mountains. And I got like a, like really brief 
experience with it. And it was incredible though. Hmm. I mean, it was awesome. So yeah, man. How, how did you get to know them in the first place? So Cameo went to school with Ashlyn. Their names are Ashlyn and Corey. Um, Cameo went to school with Ashlyn and they've like been best friends ever since. And so I think three years ago was the first time like we went to visit them in Arizona. Um, and it's funny, man, because like the couple thing, like that's a different dynamic with like friends is like you have friends and then like having couple friends is different. And then within the couple friends, you know, sometimes the, um, you know, the, the, you know, if, if in the event of two, you know, heterosexual couples as we are, sometimes the males will get along more than the females, you know, which the females will make the best they can of it. But you know what I mean? Sometimes other people are playing catch up sometimes certain spouses. And so when I first went down there, Corey seemed like a really nice guy and everything, but dude, I had never hung out with him. And then we were committing to stay in their home for a week for a vacation, you know? And I was thinking, I mean, I'm not going to be a dick and I know he's not going to be, but like, I'm hoping me and this dude get along. You know what I mean? Dude, like, dude, you are describing a bit that Bill Burr has, like you're getting to where my mind is just going to this bit that he talks about with, uh, with wives and then husbands have to go and hang out and get to know each other. And it's, he, he defines it perfectly. It's not where you're going, but which yeah. you're describing this. I just keep, I hear Bill Burr's voice in my head. Yeah, dude. And it's, yeah, I love Bill Burr. Uh, we, 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 you know, as far as I know, unless Corey is a wonderful actor and he's been full of shit this whole time, <laughs> which of course in my insane mind is never out of the question. I always, there's very few friends that I have that are totally out of the bag. You know what I mean? You're one of them. Like, I've been friends with you now for, I think... Yeah, I couldn't act this long, Seven right? or eight years, and it's like, all right, I think I would have worn him down by this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, Corey and I get along, so um, every year we've, we've vacationed with them, so... Oh, that's yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. are, you, are, you, are you and Cameo going to move down there at some point? Dude, I... <laughs> Dude, it's funny. I, I did float the the idea to her. I was like, if I don't get... Because the big thing now we're waiting for is I turn in my MFA applications December 15th. Okay. And I should hear by February March if I get into anywhere. I see. And if I don't get into somewhere, then um, I don't know. I do know she wants to move, you know, soon. Um, but I was like, dude, we went to the Smokies. I was yeah. like, fuck it, man. I'll... I'll push a mop if I can <laughs> if I can come here on the weekends. You know, I don't care what I do. Oh, dude, it's so gorgeous out there. I I haven't been I haven't been to the Smoky Mountains in a while, but um, long time ago, the first time I went there, um, I went, dude. I bought a Kelty like a legit Kelty backpack, bunch of camping supplies, oh, and really? I want to went on a hiking trip with Sean Cran way back, way no back, way. I dude. didn't know this about. I was you. in my my mid to late teens. And, uh, yeah, dude, that's the first time I shit in the woods, like yeah, just shitting in the woods, dude. And we, we were there for a couple few days, hiked up the mountains, just wow. put up a tent, had big ass backpacks and cooked our food over fire. And that was, a, that was, that was a, it was a trip quite literally, but, uh, no, dude, it, that, that was a lot of fun. And it's just gorgeous out there, dude. I, yeah. I, you know how little I remember, but I remember a decent amount from that. Cause it was just breathtaking, man. It's very cool. That's cool, man. I can just tell with like the. Um, yeah, with just the tone you speak about that in, that was a very formative and very, very great experience nice. for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's when it, actually when, when I remember stuff that, you know, obviously playing music with Sean and him teaching me guitar and stuff, but uh, that's like one of the things that doesn't have to do with music. It's like one of the only things I remember doing with Sean Cran that's not 
that doesn't involve music. You know? Yeah. But it was a very cool trip, dude. And what you're forgetting is you guys actually played an acoustic set every night <laughs> on that trip. <laughs> no, nah, there's no room. No room in the backpack for that, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was it was gorgeous, dude. So no, I'm uh, uh the the last anecdote I'll say though is that like things have been moving so quick since I got out like into the semester, which is fine. I'm enjoying it. I got some sleep when I was down there, but it'll probably be a couple of weeks before like I don't know, like I'm just kind of like settling down, you know, because like got some school jet lag. Yeah, well, and I neglect so many things like yeah. during school. So now it's like Cami and I get to hang out with some people, which she's always wanted to do. And if I had my way, I'd be in my fucking room for weeks. Yeah. Just by myself. <laughs> And I'd be fine. You know sure. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, friends I, like you would be yes, like, I hey, do. man, how you doing? I'd be like, I'm great. How are you? And you're like, I'm good. And I'll be like, all right, I talked to Brandon today. Yes. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've got great friends. Uh, that's but anyways, um, yeah, man. So true. So uh, I'd ask you how you're doing, but I don't care. What's well, up? <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, we can uh, we can talk about how I'm doing at the beginning of the next one. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> I'll just take that one. No, dude, uh, uh, I'm excited to talk about Billy Talent, man. They're yeah. uh, they're now <laughs> you you and I have talked about Billy Talent already, yes. and we're uh, we're essentially re-recording talking about Billy Talent. So yeah. I will put that out in the ether. We've we've talked a good deal about them, but I think that we will capture we will we will capture it now as best we can. Uh, but I already know a little bit of your thoughts on Billy Talent. You already know some of mine, but I think documenting them uh, will will do this. So anyway, I I think Billy Talent. Um, when I think about just um, a band and what it means to be a band and a solid group of guys just getting together and playing music together constantly, um, something gets me excited. And I think, uh, I think when, I, when I look at music, um, I for sure, it's funny, I, I, as I try to pinpoint what I like about music, I for sure like the guitar. Like, the guitar is just, I have a bond with that instrument. But then I also have this infatuation with just a band. And I think even, even, more, even more than music itself, I have this infatuation with the idea of a band. And there's something, there's something deep within that, the relationship building, the chemistry that happens, sharing what you love, and having a group of, of three or four people that just all can have that 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 chemistry and bond at the same time that's as close to to real magic that i can think of mm -hmm. um for you know just through my own lens and what's cool about billy talent um i think they just define uh, in my mind's eye i think they define what a band should be mm. they've been together since 93 <laughs> they've been the same group of guys since Crazy. then um, they haven't they haven't gone through a bunch of different musicians. You know, I mean, you can you can look up any band on Wikipedia now and see who the current members and all the past members and the past members often you know rule out the current members three to one in a lot of different bands. And these guys, it's just those four guys, yeah. and it's been that way since high school. And I and when we talked before, you actually mentioned you you had seen that that they got together in high school. Yeah, and it's those are such um, you know special like stories because like you say they're they're rare and especially yeah. on the level that i feel like billy talent plays on i mean yeah i mean as glamorous as the life of an artist may seem on the outside i mean in in what 
what I know and what I've witnessed, you know, with artists from, you know, many different art forms, it's incredibly grueling from like a personal aspect. You know what I mean? You're really kind of spilling yourself out. And I'm sure it's incredibly enlightening and, you know, motivating and all those wonderful things, you know, when they get to experience what they get to experience. But like, it takes some real hard work to be able to not only create that kind of force that they are as a band, but to last that long. I mean, that's, that's sensational. Yeah. Well, and they push through the drummer drummer has MS and, you know, I, I know it's deterred them from being able to play some shows on tour and they've had to pack special things because he, he has MS and they've mm -hmm. had to kind of deal with that on the road, but they're there. It's, it's, I mean, it's, they're a group, you know, they're, they're a group of guys that are just like, it's going to be us four. And they have had um, somebody sub in for the drummer to help get them through some shows while he's dealt with it. But it's never been, you know, that guy's gone. We're, we're going to bring in a drummer that can do it all the time. Kind of a thing. Like they, they want to be them. Yeah. And I think that's super special. Um, and I think when you watch them live, um, I want, I want to mention something about, I, I actually haven't seen them live in person. So I'm only talking sure. about watching a video and I don't especially like watching bands live on, on a video, but, um, this, this band, there's so many bands that when they play live, they're just so much faster live than on the album because the energy's there, that live energy. And you just, you just get your blood pumping and you just, you know, you're rocking out and that can fit well in so many different genres of music. And it also can sound like trash in, in many others. And they're actually in a genre that's kind of, you know, got that punk attitude rock that if they're playing a little faster it's like, give me the juice, baby. That's fine. That's not a problem. Oh, yeah. But like, these guys are so tight. They're so solid. They, they don't rush. Um, they don't rush riffs and, 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 and all that stuff. Like they, they, they're just spot on and you can tell that they've been doing it for a long, long time. And, uh, I think it just makes me like, I think those guys just have something to be super proud about. Like that kind of a legacy, like mm -hmm. they, they did it and they only did it as them. Um, is just it, like you said, it's rare and uh, something that I think they should be incredibly proud of. And they're still making great music to this day, man. I mean, still pumping out great tunes. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going to segue a little bit into the music. I mean, as we would say, like they are definitely a master class of musicians, but also it's kind of hits, I think, both of our musical tastes in the sweet spot in the sense that it has, you know, um, Sometimes it has kind of like some punk rock musical aspects, but even more so like anthemic, like lyrics, you know, in this like... Yeah, fighting the man, you, baby. Dude, dude, fighting the man while like uplifting the people. Yeah. You know, just this really... And um, his, you know, the, the front man's voice has such a character to complement that, you know, just the sound and the, the fight in his voice, you know. Um, and so they accomplish this kind of wild, rowdy uh sound and activity while also being incredibly contained um in a uh you know composed like mindful way from a musicianship standpoint not like not contained as in you guys need to go deeper like they're going deeper they're going loud but the guitars are so clean everything's just like so well recorded and mixed and everything so it's kind of I don't know, man. It's just kind of like an achievement to be able to have such a well-done, chaotic 
um, you know, project, I guess. Agreed. And I think it shows um, a lot of like, would you call it self-awareness from the band? Yes. There's no... That's a great, that's great right there, yeah. What they're writing really fits in a genre that if it went off the rails and they were, they were a little bit they were a little chaotic or, or they had like, there was like this raw old school punk, whatever energy. Um, they'd get a pass on that in the genre that they play in. But I think what you're pointing to really shows this maturity within them and also striving for excellence because individually, when you do a little bit, a little bit of research on some of them, like, um, the guitarist guitar tone is not by mistake and it's not just whatever microphone was on an amp and whatever guitar he picked up in the studio. Like this guy is super intentional and I love, uh, I've already man crushed hard on the guitars for Billy talent to you. So I'm not, I'm going to try to not do it so much on the mic this sure. time, Sure, <laughs> but, uh, but I love this man. I want to have his babies. Um, I will try to find a way scientifically to have those, and then him and I will have babies. And I'll support, uh, dude. I support you. Cool. I will. I will. Yeah, I'll uh, throw your. Uh, what is it? A diaper party? <laughs> I don't need one of those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just need me and him think, and our son. I think we'll be able to afford plenty of diapers. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, but he's a. Uh, um, I I I I don't know if uh, I don't know if I. I want to say this, but I don't know if it's a hundred percent what I actually think. Mm-hmm. But uh. Um, well, I think it is, but it, this genre of music that they're in, there aren't a lot of guitarists that are like considered guitar gods that come from this genre of music. You know what I mean? Yes. There just really aren't. And this guy should have medals around his neck and trophies in a case at home for how amazingly well he writes and plays the guitar. Mm-hmm. I mean, this man is... Uh, he's unbelievable. He he finds a way to dial in amazing tones. Um, he has this unbelievable ability to write blazing guitar riffs that mix in full guitar chords, not just banging power chords, which I'm totally cool with in the genre too. Um, I'm not saying that's bad, but this dude, it, there's just this way that you can you can tell that how he's playing, that he knows music theory and knows how to write um, using guitar chords effectively. Mm. And when when you're a musician and you can listen to somebody and you can go, that dude knows music theory and knows how to write a fucking guitar part, like anybody that would be at that level would listen to this guy and, and they should just be like, holy shit. And, and so I just, I want to make that distinction because I could listen to a band like MXPX, right? Sometimes their vibes just make me want to roll the window down and drive. But all the dude does most of the time is just bang on, bang on chords. And I'm cool with that. Like sometimes it's just about the beat and the chord progression. It really is, dude. I can roll my windows down and sing along. Good melody line, good chord progression, good beat. I have no problems with that. But I would never listen to an MXPX song and go, that guitarist knows music theory. He knows what he's doing. But, but Billy Talent whole different level of it, man. Whole different level. And the, the, um, so I don't know, I, I, I should say, I've, I've been listening to these guys since their, uh, uh, since Billy Talent One, I guess, came out. They're self-titled in 2003. Now, they were a band before that, um, but that was the album. I think that's really, is that the first album that came out under Billy Talent? Do you know? Because they were like Pez or something. Yeah, before, I, right? I, I'm almost certain that was, at least the 
first full length, but I don't remember seeing like an EP or anything. I don't think they came I out think, with anything I think that was that their first. I under think Billy that was, Talent. Which is, yeah, and just insane to think about. It, it is, but. yeah. <laughs> I remember when that came out, man, I was working at a concrete plant, and uh, dude, we, we would we would take rotation of who could play, you know, it, like what we, were, we would bag pea gravel and paving base and throw them on, on, uh, on pallets. And so um, we'd do 100 pallets a day, and there were both, dude. That yeah. is hard. Work. It was it was hard work for sure. Dude, hard work. I was like way a younger. Really hard job, dude. It was grueling. <laughs> it was you were in like this open thing, so there was there was no there was no heat and there was no AC. You're in just this big open, somewhat of like a cave, and so the, it would drop down in a bag. So, dude, we would blast the music and just get through the goddamn day, baby. Dude, that is. Got to be the best way to listen to Billy Talent. <laughs> That's exactly. So dude, these guys got me through a time in my life of bagging some bee gravel. Okay? Dude, I'm just picturing you in a dark um, cave, hurling rocks like a champion with some man with one eye next to you oh, a, yeah. named Bennett who did 10 years in prison. Uh, dude. And you're rocking to Billy Town. That's badass, man. I respect you more as a friend. Keep going. So we no, we would just rotate what, what music people would play. And I am sure the other guys in the bag line got like sick of these guys because whenever it was my turn dude for months after this album came out i was just hooked man i was hooked because uh i the the um the guitar work on their first album really on all of their albums but just going back to that time it um hit me so much that uh and i feel bad i think i think his first name's ian but i forget his last name the guitarist um the first time I ever looked up gear, what gear somebody else was using was this guy. Oh, that's um, cool. I had never done that in life before this. And that actually made me, uh, so dude, sometimes I'll just watch a YouTube video looking at um, bands that I respect, just watching them do a rig rundown, like just go over what they use. Like I oh, yeah. is super entertaining to me because I get to kind of see a little bit of behind the scenes and me being as big of a guitar and pedal nerd as I am. Um, and, and amps for that matter. It, it's super fun. But this, this guy kicked it off because I had to know um, what equi- I had to know how he was getting the sounds because I couldn't believe that the guitars were never muddy. They were always crisp, yet they were distorted. And, and, but they, they just, I don't know, they just had this, um, this cut to them, this clean. It almost sounds like they're clean, but they're not because they're so not muddy. And his ability to combine the use of a Les Paul um, with, you know, humbucker pickups, traditionally a much warmer sound, use that for the rhythm, and then use a Stratocaster or a Telecaster, the single coils, um, for, for some of the more cutting lead style, um, riff style lines, his balance between those, when he records, it is just, um, top notch, man, just a masterclass in how you should record, um, record those guitars. And, and ultimately when you hear the spank of those single coils, like it is just this, there's, it's just this sound. And Tom Morello uses a Stratocaster from, um, Rage Against the Machine. And sometimes on his, really heavy hitting riffs there's a there's that clean kind of spank to it that helps really define that riff line and you hear some of that spank in the single coils from um you know from from billy talent and i just i love that that you get that crisp cutting through the mix sound and so right from right from then man i just uh right from 2003 when that first album came out i just fell in love and then dude their albums just kept getting even better and it, it was 
amazing, man. I mean, their second album. I think you had mentioned their first two albums were what... You, yeah, they're still what I have on my phone. I want to get this third album now since we've talked about this, and I probably will tonight. But uh, their first two albums I've had on my phone since for the last seven, eight years, and I've I've listened to them a lot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's, I mean, I'll, I'll segue that your, you know, in, infatuation and appreciation with, you know, uh, his guitar work and, and all the components you just talked about into the song. Um, so St. Veronica, uh, one, one thing that I think is done really well uh, amongst many things, but the, so the bridge, as we've discussed before, is, is a near perfect bridge. Oh yeah. It like it is a perfect bridge, okay? And I was I was thinking about it and it's funny because use the word unbelievable just a bit ago and I, I think like in so in writing um uh which directly translates to this, right? Because a song is is still a story. It's, you know, it's an auditory, you know, narrative and you're, you know, you're bringing your your listener and the audience in, right? And you're giving them tools and you're kind of giving them some clues on what's going to happen. You know, in this bridge, they let you know what's going to happen. And I think one of the biggest accomplishments of this song is it's one thing to do something um, unexpected and kind of make it like unbelievable, unbelievable in the sense of being like awestruck, you know. It's another thing to plant a seed and have your listener or your reader, your audience expect something and still pull it off and make it unbelievable. It's the difference between in like a, a murder mystery telling someone, this is the man who's going to kill this person in the very beginning of the film. And so you already know. And so when you're watching it and then when they can pull off that scene, right, and still kind of shock you in different artistic uh, vantages, it's so impressive, it's a lot easier to just pull the rug out in front. So, like, dude, like, you know what they're going to do. So, it just raises the stakes. It makes it that much harder for them to blow your mind. And they do it, dude. Like, um, so, I, I don't know if how to go off of that, but I'll let, I'll let you take it from there. Because we can't just get straight into that. We got a few things we got to work out. Then no, we can yeah. Uh, that that's fine because I think I, I will I would try to sum up the the music element the musical elements and some of the things that happen with the song. I'll try to just kind of summarize those within a couple of minutes because there's a lot of um, there are a lot of musical elements that go on in this song and they they put them in from a production standpoint. It's very brilliant. And what I love when that gated fuzz <laughs> on that guitar for that bridge comes in and that line hits where my mind goes when something like that hits is like, oh, they're fucking going there. Like, yeah, bands, bands, you, there are bands like Billy Talent that would go there, right? So it's not like a surprise that they, but, but they don't do it every song. They don't do it all the time. And so when they do, you just kind of, I just kind of feel like I kind of sit up, I get my back a little, my back gets a little straight and I get near the edge of my seat because I'm like, they're fucking going there, baby. And so to, to, to cut, go off what you're saying, like to be able to pull that off when you know they're there and then when it hits, just be, holy shit, you're absolutely right, man. Something special. Yeah. So, uh, but I do think it's the, the sound of the song before all, before the bridge, mm -hmm. all the, the, um, all the musical elements that they bring in, you know, they open with the bass. I love how they open with the bass and you feel like he's on the downbeat because it's the only thing you've heard. 
Um, and just a, a, a little bit, this is not necessarily my nerd level detail, but one nerdy thing that I love is you can hear his hand rub across the strings right before he hits that first note. And I love that it's there because it doesn't have to be, but there's those little things just yeah. always make, it's not, yeah, it's not even really a drop. You just hear his hand like scrape to get to the position of the bass where he needs to be. And I, I don't know, there's, there's just, uh, um, God, that's really stupid. It's very visceral. To, it's really stupid to, to even to even bring that up. Because when you mix, you don't have to have something like that in there. And, and that, to me, just brings a little bit of that, we're still punk, we're still raw. There's just a little bit of those kind of moments that it's not so polished. Um, anyway. Um, well, it's the small things. I'll get it, right back to you. Yeah. But that's what makes, that's what transcends someone from like a good to great artist is the, um, you know, manipulation of small details. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, in, in in that I think I I respect how intentional it is too because I think it is intentional because it's it's uh, it's easier to cut everything and make everything just super polished when you have the tools and the ability to so to not do that is intentional. Um, anyway, when the guitar comes in, that bass it it's um, the bass is it, it feels like it's giving you the downbeat. So when the guitar comes in, it gives you this off feeling like, Hey, wait a second, which one of these guys is on. And then when the drums come in, you're like, Oh, okay. The bass was on the off beat, but because it started, it felt like it was on. Mm -hmm. And I love that kind of that shift of like, where am I going for a second? And then, uh, um, I, the, the, the bass and the drums, we, we kind of, you kind of talked about how special his voice is for the style. It's, it's got this kind of character to it, almost, you know, borderline maniacal. And he gets really high with very high pitched notes that, I mean, not everybody can do, man, this singer gets way up there. And I've already talked a lot about, um, the brilliance of the guitars, but what it's important to note is the drums and the bass in this song are so fundamentally good that when you have a singer that doesn't sound like a lot of other singers can hit these high, maniacally crazy notes and has this kind of punk attitude and has this character to it, and then you have these blazing guitars that are coming from just a phenomenal musician, the drums and the the drums are so good. The bass, that fundamental strength that happens behind there, they're no slouches, but they play their role. And and you know, every good house is built on a solid foundation and the drums and the bass for this band are an absolute solid foundation that they stay in their lane in the right way. They're, they're both very, very talented and very good. And the background vocals from the guitarist and the bassist are just some of the best gang vox in all of music, dude. All, yeah. It I, pumps me up, man. Their gang vox are insanely good. And the bassist provides a lot of that as well. And so each of their individual roles that they play and then how they come together, it's its just, it's stupid that it even exists in my mind. The, the, the gang vocals are a separate instrument themselves. And I know, I mean, if, if you're a musician and you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, fucking duh. Like, think about it though. Like the command that the, that the, the harmonies that they have, the gang vocals have in comparison with some other bands, the way they leverage them. You know what I mean? They leverage them to perfection. Yeah. It really makes me think of like Andy Hole and, and, and Robert McDowell and Manchester's manipulation of of you know harmonies and, and backing vocals and stuff. Like Robert McDowell, their their lead guitarist is like such a force uh, when it comes to like vocals, but you like hardly ever hear him. Yeah. But if you really pick a lot of their albums apart and listen to how he harmonizes with Andy Hole, it's almost like a separate instrument at that point. It's not just an aesthetic. It's like wow. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, so... Um, I'll just button up, I'll yeah, button please, up two, please. two yeah, quick yeah. things musically, and then we should get into some lyrics, because yeah, we haven't yeah, even talked yeah. about it at all. Yeah. But uh, um, I, I just want to mention some of the percussive instruments that they're using. They've got a shaker that comes in. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, that just, the, the, the rhythm that it adds. <laughs> um, dude, because while the drums are on the toms, and that shaker comes in and it provides that high-pitched percussive. You know, you need that. You, you, you need it providing that beat. And all those little layers come in when they should. They've got a glockenspiel on this song. Um, and they bring the glocken, glockenspiel back in, like, in the, in the soft bridge. You kind of hear it hitting with the synths, the synth behind it. And then at the very end, it brings, like, all the elements. It's got, it's got the, the shaker. It's got the glockenspiel. It's got everything blazing. Dude, on the breakdown after the gated fuzz, mm. the tambourine comes in. <laughs> and all their, their manipulation of all those percussive instruments, where they should be, the placement all, of all of those, it, it's perfection. It's not, in my mind, it's not near perfection. It's just perfection. Like, that is all those things come in exactly where they should go. The drummer is always doing the thing that he should do. And and uh, um, there, th this song, there's not a part of this song that's like, they should have added this element back here. They should have taken away here. It all comes in and it all leaves when it should. And and I think that's ultimately why this song, amongst their entire library of songs, why I brought this one up is I just feel like it couldn't have been done any better um, it, it, at all from a from a production standpoint. And so those, those little things, I, I could nerd out by saying, oh, this comes in here and then they bring it back here and do all that. I'm trying to not bore us for an hour here but if you i would just encourage anybody go back and listen to the song and have in mind all of those kind of percussion percussive instruments and and those little ear candy nuances they're just brilliant when they come in yeah and i'll just say this for going to the lyrics but i think when any when most of the time when things sound almost effortless like that I think it's just so indicative of, I would be very interested to know how long it took them to get everything in the right spot and get it the way that they ended up getting it. Because often when things seem kind of effortless that they're so good, they're so polished, um, it just takes so much hard work, you know, because oh, yeah. as, you know, creative minds, I think it takes a lot to get there, but maybe not. Maybe they nail it first try. So, um, so the lyrics, um, yeah, they're they're based on the uh, the novel Veronica decides to die. Did you look into that at all? No, no, I still haven't. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm considering just getting the book. Yeah, you should. So I, I, I love the band and the song so much. I mean, what, who'd not? you say the author is? It's like. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. I'll look it up while you talk. Right. You 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 kick off the lyrics, man. I've been talking a lot about the cool, music. Cool. Cool. Um, so obviously, there's a, you know an attempted suicide. Um, and, you know, always said her life was never meant to be stuck here living someone else's dream. Well beyond your window, there's so much more. Even every prison has an open door. Um, so it really kind of sets the stage with what's going on with like this protagonist and the, the narrative, um, you know, one thing to take note of right away is I think the... I believe the writer of these lyrics, which I would presume is the vocalist, but I could be mistaken, is very aware of point of view. And often often point of view, uh, when not considered, right, is not going to be leveraged as well as it could be when considered. And so one thing he does with uh, point of view here 
is, you know, he uses the second person. He toggles between the second person and the lyrics, you can't leave this world behind. And then the first person plural, we're still right here by your side. And so it's you, right? Second person, they're, they're, they're talking. It's a conversation. They're talking to Veronica, right? But then they're saying, we're still right here by your side. And that we, you know, the, the first person plural, anytime we say like we or us, um, that is a very empowering form of perspective, you know, and it, it really kind of marries quite well to their style because his style is really interrogating social structures, you know what I mean, and criticizing social structures um, while, you know, bringing about because of, you know, the need for humanity and things, right? And so here we have the narrator speaking directly to a person. And so it's, it, that's another thing that makes this song so menacing is this song is not, um, the song is not uh, criticizing or putting someone down. It's trying to lift someone up and it's doing so with such a, you know, impassioned kind of rage, right? That it, that it just kind of makes us, um, I don't know. It, I think it just, it has this like strength of like community. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, we're in this together, you know? Um, so I think it, it amplifies this feeling of lamentation for the protagonist who's suffering and provides us with more of a buy-in to the story. Because we are included in the we are still right here, um, and then you bring all the musical elements in together, I think that really sends it home on the bridge, you know, because I'm included in what the narrator's talking about when we go under the bridge, and I like that. Um, and, and another thing that I just want to hit on is... Um, you know, Billy Talent, they, they've chosen a rather, in my opinion, right, it's a rather simple subject to write a song about, right, suicide. Um, but then there's so much complexity to it. But it's still something that's so often done, okay? Um, so then it's the little things, like the previous chorus with the hopeful ending, um, and, then, and then the imagery, right, that really kind of send this thing to distance. So, for example, the imagery, like she's trapped inside a frozen waterfall, Um this really pairs well with the colorless nature, the stagnance um, of the feeling of being trapped. You know, it's purposely, uh, purposefully, you know, obviously like frozen and a waterfall. And when you think of frozen waterfall, you're not usually thinking of like bright, like electric hues of blue, right? You're thinking of kind of like a whitish, grayish, you know, stagnance. And so it's little images like this, um, like that, that I think make the difference when discussing universal subjects such as suicide. Um, so yeah, uh, the use of imagery, the use of including the listener into being a part of it. Um, there's much more, but I think you'll probably hit on some things with, with what's going on with um, Veronica and maybe what she's going through and what she's thinking about. But you know, the, the message here, uh, I think one of the overall arcs is um, a message of hope and it's not a cheap message of hope. You know, I, I think too often right now we cling to these kind of like, you know, eat, pray, love, you know, kind of like calligraphy written, yeah. you know, little mottos to get us through the day, uh, which is fine, but life is super harsh, right? So we need a little something more. We need a little more sustenance than just a, hey, you know, good job, keep it up, you know, you're doing great, right? Uh, we need to kind of understand uh, what to do with these debilitating you know, periods of, or moments of doubt and these moments of self-hatred. And uh, it's art like this that helps us with that. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, 
that's good. I do think that that's, I, I think that that's, uh, one of the main, um, what would you call it? Functions of art, I guess. Um, at least through my lens, you know, to, to, to help people through. But I, I, I think that on, with this being on the subject of suicide, as you brought up, I think that, um, maybe why this story stood out um, enough for him to write the lyrics surrounding this story is that, <clears throat> you know, I did, I did just a little bit of, of digging and anybody that would search it would find the same stuff. There's actually the kind of the gist of the message um, is, is written out on, on Wikipedia of what uh, the story's about. But um so Veronica, she, she's a girl that um, has loving parents. Um, it is, you know, pleasing to the eyes. She's not somebody that has it super hard. She's got, for all, you know, all things considered, a, a pretty normal good life. Um, but, uh, and she's got plenty of attention from, from some people. But she still uh, doesn't really feel like she's, she's, you know, has a place. And so she tries ODing on sleeping pills, wakes up in a mental hospital, finds out she only has a short time to live. The, uh, you know, the ODing, it, di it didn't work. She didn't die. So she's up, but because of it, she doesn't have a long time to live while there makes some friends and, um, just kind of, uh, I guess lives her life in a different way because it's got an end in sight now. And so she lives it in a little bit of a different way, knowing that it might be short. And uh, it, it, it said, and I kind of liked how they put it, the gist of the message is that collective madness is called sanity. Mm. Uh, she realizes so that she has nothing to lose and can therefore do what she wants, say what she wants, and be who she wants without having to worry about what others think of her. Um, as a mental patient, she's also unlikely to be criticized. And because of that newfound freedom... Uh, Veronica experiences all the things she never allowed herself to experience. And with that letting go of, of almost that letting go of herself, she found herself kind of a message. But I, 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 on this idea of collective madness being sanity, I think my favorite, my favorite lyric in this is uh, stuck here living someone else's dream. And that's a pretty powerful line because many people, you know, work for the man. Many people work for somebody else. Um, even people who own their own businesses are enslaved to, you know, customers or, or vendors or, you know, limits to manufacturing or whatever it is. You know what I mean? There's, there's, always, there's always a man that's holding you back of some, of some sort, whatever that, that idea could be, right? right. And so this uh, collective madness being called sanity, you know, we've just found a way to to move on as a society, as uh, as a civilization, you find certain rules and and laws and things that you've got to follow and things that you've got to do and groups you've got to be a part of and you know you got to have you got to have a vehicle you've got to be able to pay a mortgage you've got to be able to do certain things that are just part of this collective madness now and some of these things like they they aren't they aren't uh, um, some of these things might defy a little bit of 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 who we are in our nature even. And so that's harder for some people to cope with than others. And, uh, uh, taking a look at that, it, it, it can be, uh, um, it could be a really awful thing. And so I think that that chord, uh, 
a little less on the subject of of suicide and a little more on the subject of of mental health i guess mm-hmm. is more the lens that i see this through in in um coping with that and and i really feel like uh without reading the book i i i i should buy it um i see it up on Amazon here. You asked for the author. It's Paolo Coelho. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, uh, a Brazilian writer, I think. I think so. Okay. But, um, I really feel like no matter what's in that book, I mean, he laid out lyrically to tell this story as the verses progress in the story and then the bridge hits hard and there's, you know, a bit of that, that, that crying out of damn God in the bridge like the the way he tells he retells this story and writes these lyrics is just i mean it 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 follows it's very cohesive it follows you know it goes from a to b to c um very well thought out very well done and i think it captures the whole um uh you know it really accomplishes what he's trying to accomplish i guess i should say and so i i think that um not only does this song accomplish something incredibly amazing musically, but I mean, lyrically, it's just, it's so cohesive and so powerful. Um, it's just, it's just a phenomenal song, man. Yeah. So, you know, Hey, I, I think, um, I, I think we're at, I think we're at that spot, man. What do you, what do you got for your, your favorite lyric and musical element? Um, I, I guess the, the, I mean, I, I don't know the, the, I would say when it's now she clings to life inside a hospital, like she's trapped inside a frozen waterfall. Um, I don't know. I just feel like normally I wouldn't like that imagery or something. I don't know why. It's usually what I'm intrigued by when someone can do something that I feel like I maybe normally wouldn't like or whatever, but he does it in a way. Um, and just kind of like the ache in his voice and everything. And, and, in the way it's the drums in that part, man, <laughs> dude, it is, isn't it though? Yeah. The, dr- the, because the drums at that point are really kind of building, aren't they? They're driving yeah. on the toms and dude, yeah. that whole, the whole feeling, but what you're saying, the way he's singing it too. Yeah. I, I, I really feel like it's super powerful the, what the drums are doing and then how he's singing it, man is so good. And he man. extends that last syllable of it, you mm-hmm. know, and just really kind of punches that. So yeah, I think that moment, um, because if I'm not mistaken, at, at that point we've we've yet to get into the the badass bridge, right? I mean, like, we've talked about it. Like we're not even way. there yet. No, no, but, but I mean in the <laughs> oh, song, in yeah, the yeah, song, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. For so, sure. like, I don't know. There, there's something about that that uh, imagery in that moment in the song where it just really starts to kind of turn. Well, you well know? It, it actually immediately after that lyric is sung, the drums stop doing what they're doing. They actually end up going into more of a straight hi-hat beat right oh, after that. Oh, yeah, okay. And so when he, when he uh, um, always said her life was never meant to be stuck here living someone else's dream, which is my, my favorite lyric, that comes shortly right after that. But the, the drums are kind of going with the toms, and then it does, it kind of shifts. It shifts a little bit, not, not t- terribly in mood or anything, but it gives a little more steady beat right after that. So there's a noticeable change in the music immediately after that lyric. Okay, yeah. So I... Um yeah, I like the simile. So I, I just feel like imagery and specifically in the form of simile um, just can be used more and more by vocalists to just kind of amplify the message because too often they're tempted to just say, um, you know, now she clings to life inside a hospital 
um, you know, and she's trapped in her mind or something, you know, like not using imagery and not using a simile um, in that would do it a disservice. So, uh, excuse me, what about you, favorite lyric or... No, this, you just said yeah, it, didn't you? Yeah, no, that's fine. How about a? Uh, I mean, my favorite moment yeah, is two oh one when the gated fuzz guitars come in. I mean, yeah, it's it's like someone accidentally opened, like, the the lion's cage, and everyone's yeah. just waiting to see what happens. <laughs> and there's like some animal that the lion isn't supposed to be in there with, and yeah. everyone's just watching that, and it's about to like rip its head off. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, that happened though. Um, yeah. uh, so dude, yeah. that, that gated fuzz on that bridge, um, the song red flag off of their second album. Yeah. Right. Um, that's the first track, isn't it? Wait, no, that the red flag is the second track. I'm not thinking of that. Uh, devil in a midnight mass first Ooh, track off of their second dude, album. That fuzz that song is ridiculous. Rips. Yeah. So that fuzz, uh, devil in a midnight mass. When I first heard that, because it's first track on the album, their second album. And see, their first album, I told you, got me into like, okay, what gear is this guy using? Second album comes out, and I'm like, I have to know what that fuzz is. And I, all I knew, I knew it just sounded like fuzz, but I didn't know at the time the term, the gated fuzz, and, and what that meant. But um, uh, I looked it up, and he uses a pedal called Big John Harry Balls. Yes. And that should be the name of the guitar pedal that produces that sound is Big John Harry Balls. So I went online and I bought that pedal, which at the time was the most expensive pedal that I had ever bought. It's like 160 bucks. And I think Tyler Wolf actually has that That's pedal. That's still really expensive for a pedal. Oh, yeah. It's, it, and you well, bought that it, like 15 years ago at that price? No, not 15. Okay. Um, Maybe like- I bought it probably in... Oh seven or sorry, this is something. This oh, is neither here nor there. No, that's fine. But I, I oh seven would be fourteen, so I was close. Oh my god! Yeah, we're getting holy. Old. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you were more right there. I love this. Fifteen. <laughs> hey, it was fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my you, god, dude! I still feel like I'm twenty one years old, Michael. I couldn't have possibly bought it when I was six. No, um, the uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess it was. But I, I bought that thing and. Uh, it 160 bucks it, it is but when you're talking about like handmade pedals by boutique pedal makers like Earthquaker Devices or JHS um or or you know there's plenty others I can name your your you know their their pedals the hoof fuzz by Earthquaker Devices is 179 bucks that thing is amazing but most of their pedals that kind of come like that they have a couple of $99 pedals but they don't get any cheaper than that and when you're talking about boutique handmade pedals in the United States of America, um, they're, they're, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, but uh, Big John Harry Balls, um, I should I should see, I think Tyler still has that pedal. But uh, yeah, first, first, uh, piece of, first piece of musical equipment I bought because I saw another, I, like one of my idols had it. <laughs> uh, first, first thing I ever bought like that. Maybe the only thing. I don't know if I've even bought anything else that because some other, you know, one of my idols did it. A uh, quick question for you: Is there? Um, can you think of? Is there a moment in in Shaggy where you um, uh, used used that used that fuzz? That I could yeah, reference. I'd have to. I'd have to go back oh, and there look. Is, yeah. yeah, I'd have to go back and I'd have to go back and look for it. I I didn't. Um, 
a lot of the shaggy stuff, although we had, of course, a lot of riffs, a lot of it was banging chords, and, and you just wouldn't really use that on that. You I was going to say, because I, I can't really think of many like no, fuzz lines. I have, I have other things, and actually this new thing that I'm working on with uh, Brian Bartz, yeah. um, that'll have plenty of gated fuzz riff stuff. Yeah, I'm excited um, for this project. Anyway, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. I'd have to actually go back and listen. I know you used it some, but I didn't use it nearly enough. Mm. But... Um, yeah, that's uh, that's for sure my favorite musical element is is that gated fuzz, and then at two hundred one, that moment when it hits is just it's just amazing, dude. You got any favorite moments, musical elements? No, I mean, same I think, thing. Yeah, yep. Okay, have we talked about gated fuzz enough? <laughs> talked about it a little bit. Um, Let's play some now. Um, all right, dude. What you got for life application, man? Let's take it home. Uh, hell, man, don't kill yourself. Uh, we love you. Uh. <laughs> No, I um, no. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just speak on uh, you know, uh give a moment. Um yeah, I've had some people very close in my life um including like my best friend growing up, he took his life. And um yeah, suicide is just I guess what I would say and what I'm trying to really say to myself is to continue to try and you told me something like a long time ago, dude, that's always stuck with me. Um, I was frustrated with a situation that I had with someone because I felt like I wasn't really there for that. Like I felt like I never had the right words to say, you know, I was putting a lot of performative pressure on how I am as a friend, you know, it was because I just love the person so much. And I was explaining a situation to you. And this, I think this was like in 2014, 2015 at the latest. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I pretty much just explained a situation to where I had the opportunity to talk to this person about something that was kind of important to them in their life. And I just felt like I kind of failed them as a friend, you know, and it's not like they explicitly told me that. But I remember talking to you about it and you gave me the feedback, which I, I think is incredibly wise. And you just said, dude, the fact that you're just there for them and you're someone that they can just call and you're someone that they like love enough and trust enough to like call if they ever, you know, do need help or do want help and stuff like that. Like that's, that's an achievement in itself, you know, and you should, you should kind of like rest in that. And I remember that. And so the concept of being available to those around you, I think is incredibly important and to foster a relationship where people feel comfortable bringing things to you. And so that's something that I try and pay attention to now. And I take pretty seriously now because, you know, like we talk about often, like you never really know. And I've had some people approach me at different jobs that I've had um, because I've established some sort of sincerity with them, you know, because I'm just not interested anymore in being the person that just like I mean, you know me, I'm always trying to, I, I like trying to make people laugh, you know, it's fun. Like, um, yeah. but like, dude, life is short and it's precious and like, you never know what people are going through. And so I'm just not really like in the mood to just be like this kind of sarcastic, you know, it is what it is kind of thing. Like I like getting to know people and, and getting deep, but at the same time, um, I like to give them their space. So, uh, when it comes to like suicide and things like that, um, who knows what people are going through and who knows who they need to talk to about it. But you never know what you might say or where you might be, how that might impact someone. And so that's what, that's what makes me, that's what I think about, you know, on that note. Well, and I, I think when I hear you kind of 
talk about some of the conversations you have with, with people that are going through addiction and some of the help that you provide. Um, you really are somebody that is there for other people at a time when they could need it the most. And I think that's, thanks, man. um, hearing you talk about, um, you know, this subject, this, this the topic of suicide and, and making yourself available. Um, I would, I would definitely, if I had to, if somebody, you know, if I had to tell somebody, um, if I had to give a name of somebody that I know makes themselves available for other people, absolutely you with what you do in that. So thanks, man. Yeah. I, I think, I think I, I've got to, I think I've got a little bit of a dual life application. Um, one is in regards to similar to what you're talking about and I'll get into that. But the other is also just, um, this band is incredibly inspiring to me. Um, just on on multiple levels, and I think for all the reasons that we've we've discussed, and uh, I know this I know this this it totally sounds hokey, and I want to almost vomit just saying it saying it. But I have uh, I made coasters, those little coasters out of album art, and so I've obviously got a lot of album art up around my studio. But I made these little coasters, and one of them is the Billy Talent one, and that one is the one that I specifically keep on my desk. So that when I'm recording, it is the one that I see because they just, um, they encapsulate just what it means to be a band in, in my, in my eyes. I just can't think of a, a more perfect summation of what a band should be. And, uh, um, and so I keep that on my studio desk intentionally as a reminder that when I'm recording, because I often only get to record by myself or things by myself, it's why I love to, to collaborate with, you know, Brian and others, um, because the more, the more, the merrier, the more people you have that are listening and putting their two cents in just the better the music is, man. Yeah. In my experience, it's just so much better with others. And so, um, I just keep that as a little bit of a reminder of, to keep that kind of band mentality to, to, to make sure that that's there. And then also it, it, there, there are times where it might make me like, okay, I'm going to share this with Tyler Tomaszewski or Nate Sawyer or somebody. Guys, can you give me, give me, help me, give me some feedback. What do you, what are you thinking to get somebody else involved? Because there's strength in that. There's, there's a lot of good that can kind of come from that. And Billy Talent just inspires me to just be, um, just to kind of have that group band mentality. And I think part of what really, um, uh, part of what comes out of their music is this, you put it very well, and I can't remember how you put it, uh, but you said uh, that they have this ability to, to have this kind of, you know, this fight the man yet empower the people or uplift the people, mm -hmm. right? So there's this positivity within them that isn't just destroy to destroy. They, they, they want to power to the people kind of a thing. And this positivity that comes out of them, it comes out in this song. I mean, this song isn't just like talking about a suicide and then it's just that. It's talking about being there for somebody that is going through that. Um, you know, when, when they're saying, uh, um, we're still right here by your side. I mean, there's, a, there's power in that positivity. And the positivity in this band never gets hokey. It's always on point. It's very inspiring to me. And so, um, I guess, I guess the, the, my life application that would surround around that would be, um, you know, coping with, uh, one's perception of life's meaning 
and I guess more importantly, how it how it should be lived. So not just like wondering, hey, what's what's my what's the meaning of life, but also, you know, how should I live life? Because mm. those can be those can be separate. You know, that's harder on some more than it is for others. And uh, I think that the positive message that that is portrayed in this song, you know, to be strong enough to hold on to us, we're still right here by your side. You know, with li- life is hard. And uh, I think this this story does a good job of depicting how um, it affects some more more than others. And uh, we all just need to uh, take a step back and um, just know that at the end of the day, what everybody really needs is just somebody that understands them. And so th- there's a lot of good that can be done in listening, but like um, t- Tyler, Tyler Wolf, I don't remember if I mentioned this on a previous podcast or not, but Tyler Wolf, like uh, on the, on the episode that he came on, the first one that he came on, he said to me uh, um, that this po- the podcast gives me this great avenue to be able to basically just just ramble on and over-explain myself about something that I love, like music. And uh, it was it was kind of one of those jabs that, that was a little meant to be funny, but also was just kind of like, there's some sincerity in that as well. Mm-hmm. And I respected that about him because I know he, that showed a level of what he understands about me. And uh, I would have to believe that other people that know me would have to say that there's this tendency for me to over-explain or repeat myself on things either that I'm passionate about or that I want to make sure I drive home the point or whatever. And I try to, I try to watch, I, I try to be self-aware. So as soon as I recognize that, which is often too late into a conversation, I try to just make sure I just shut the hell up, okay? Which I might be doing in this exact moment right now. I'm not sure. But um, anyway, I, I say that because I have my flaws and I try to be self-aware to know what they are. And, but I have people that understand me. Mm-hmm. I have people that can look past that, that love me because of other things and those quirky nuances or those quirky just whatevers, you understand me. And I sincerely appreciate that. And I think above all, um, y- you know, there's a deep sense of love that comes with that understanding. And so um, it, it, it's, I think that it would be a really good idea for people to try to intentionally understand what other people are going through. Really kind of figure that out. And that can only come from listening and being available, to your point. So be available, listen, seek to understand somebody else. And that might be the difference between them being alive one day and not.